I don't know where I am in this movie. I feel very lost. Oh, wait. Didn't the opening credits say Lucio Fulci? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> and then, yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, wait. This is Italian. Of course, it's not going to make any conventional sound. Yeah, this is great. Right. Those, that ending. Is just... You just go with it. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah, what were they trying to say with that ending? Uh, we'll get to it. The, yeah, supernatural stuff bursts into flames inexplicably. All right. Um, did did either of you think? I don't even want to get into this yet. But Christopher George is that like Ray Liotta's dad? No, but he was in <laughs> Day of the Animal. That's where I know him from. Or it was a grizzly. Wait, he was in Bolt. Oh, that's He's right. Been a bunch of crap. He's the cause of the confusion. Yes. Let's do an intro, then we'll talk about some stuff. Okay. All right. Listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. But first, we'll talk about some recently watched. We're going to probably just spoil that too. Let's be honest. Uh, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. You can find their music on Apple Music or, um, I don't know, Amazon buy it digitally street uh, corners everywhere yeah it's some some guy down at the beach selling discs yeah yeah, yeah. uh some guy playing it on an accordion uh-huh yeah. tip him tip him well will you yeah uh and um we're not professional critics we're your hosts i'm richard i'm here with will hello and jolian hello, everybody so here we are it's october it's october yeah the most wonderful time of the year my favorite time of year and um, we've probably all been watching a lot of stuff, a lot of spooky movies. Oh, yeah. Will, yes. you got a list? I've got a list. This mm. is my... Uh, oh, you are doing 31? 31 for 31 so far. I'll just read through these. Tell it. Censor, Raw Force, something called God Told Me To. Hmm. Which, if you want a weird movie that makes no sense, <laughs> this is one of them. Um, it's got some sort of disturbing imagery yes just to warn you and uh wow especially richard the, the lynch beginning. Is just, yeah there's plenty at the end that's just right. like mm, that's <laughs> not that's not good at all <laughs> weird weird movie larry cohen oh yes that explains it and then i finally watched one that um I'd heard about, and I never got around to watching, Demon Seed mm. from how, 1977. How is Demon Seed? I've never watched it. Oh, it's good. It's, yeah? it's <laughs> fantastically <laughs> nutty. Good. It is. Oh, 
I don't know why scientists invent rape robots, but <laughs> rape? they should stop. <laughs> wow. Uh, on the on the, uh, I think I watched it on Tubi. Probably uh, they have a really really nice copy, but you can see uh, certain things that are supposed to be metal are clearly plywood because you can see the plywood pattern under their silver spray paint, uh-huh. which I don't think showed up on film at all, mm. or it showed up when you know when you watched it back in the day and uh i would love to market some cast aluminum panels that you could buy that that have wood grain like stamped in them or molded in them yeah (laughs) that'd be great and you feel like protus is probably also made out of plywood Mm. but he looks more bronzy so i don't want to give anything away but it's bizarre is it robert vaughn and julie christie yes And they, uh, he makes a robot that is basically AI, mm-hmm. and then it takes over his house and traps his wife in there, and it goes from there, and it's just nuts and wrong and all sorts <laughs> of so craziness. Like, we're a mashup of sci-fi and the supernatural, kind of. Hmm. Yeah. It's good. I recommend it. Demon Seat. Awesome. The next I won't recommend. <laughs> oh I watched boy. The Power. Which one? The um, 60s one? No, this the is from one. 1983. Okay. I know this one. And it had Indians in it, and it wasn't very nice. <laughs> Look no. at the Indians. <laughs> uh, oh, no, actually, I think this one had the, had the, uh, the little... Aztec figure that was cursed. Okay. Yeah, no, I watched something else I didn't write down that I'm confusing this with. They're both terrible. <laughs> um, I can't remember enough about it. Uh, I watched something called Phantom of the Mall, colon, Eric's Revenge. Right. 1989. In case they didn't sell you with the first part. <laughs> They're like, hey, look, there's an Eric and he's getting revenge I, for something. If they had just put Phantom of the Mall 2, mm-hmm. although this is the first one, so it doesn't make any sense. But Phantom of the Mall, nah, I'm going to miss it. But once they put in Eric's revenge, I was like, hell yeah, let's see <laughs> what Eric's up to. Who's Eric? I don't know. I bet he's a nerd. This, this is a movie that does feel like it's a sequel to something you've never saw. Revenge of the Nerds? No, uh, <laughs> really dark take on Revenge of the Nerds. Some sort of, I don't know. This is chopping mall, but done wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> if you could say such a thing, yeah. For one thing, Dick Miller's not in it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Polly Shore is in it though. Oh, jeez. I believe maybe his first movie. So he's not doing that whole thing. He's kind of doing that thing, but he hasn't fully gotten that thing. <laughs> See, we don't even have to explain that. All the listeners who know who he is know what we're talking about. Yeah. He's yeah. not quite Polly Shore yet. Yeah. That... And unfortunately, he lives. In the movie. I kept watching to see him get a kill. Uh, I don't remember a whole lot of kills in that one. I don't also remember much about the movie at all because it was kind of dull, kind of two killers. You've got... I guess uh, one killer's 
sort of protectful but kills other people i don't know maybe maybe he gets killed in uh, phantom of the mall 2 curse of eric's revenge <laughs> the curse of eric's revenge the ghost of the curse of eric's revenge um then i watched something called bound to vengeance i don't even remember watching this one <laughs> how good one. it was this is from 2015. It's just oh okay no I I think I remember this one, and it wasn't any good. <laughs> Moving on. Now this is another uh, revenge movie. Um, yeah. Uh, clearly, I didn't didn't care for it much. Uh, just in one eye and out the other. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then I watched something called Run Sweetheart Run from last year. Um I think this is although I kind of like this movie. Um uh felt like uh when people complained about movies being too political or too woke or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think this may be kind of what they're talking about this movie has a very feminist edge but which is fine i you know gr plenty of great horror movies have a feminist edge but well, sure but this movie has two points in it where the character stops and looks at the camera and like to really push home the point of you're viewing a horror movie too. Don't think you're so innocent in all this uh, kind of meta commentary. Mm. Uh, yeah. When the character, the bad guy turns and looks in the camera and then pushes the camera to the side so you can't see what he does, just takes you right out of the movie. Because yeah. it's not presented as, as being found footage or a documentary or anything. The camera all the rest of the time is just, you know, the point of view. It's not supposed to be anything. It's just how you see the mu the movie. Um, yeah, so so don't do that. Uh, it went on a little long. It's not terrible. Um, it's got a nice sort of atmosphere at the beginning. This young lady who's... Uh, I think she's a secretary for a law, a lawyer, a big law firm. And uh, <clears throat> he calls her while she's getting off work. It's like, oh, you double booked me. Uh, you have to go meet the client since you double booked me on my anniversary or whatever. She's like, I didn't double book you. But she goes and meets this guy. He's very charming. Um, she has a couple drinks with him. And then... Uh, they go back to his house and they walk in and close the door and then you just hear screaming. And she comes running out and uh, basically he's some sort of, you'll find out more, but basically he's a monster and he's going to spend the night hunting her down. Oh. Um, literal or figurative? He's a literal monster. Okay. Um, and it's kind of neat at first. You're like, you realize, you know, he has some sort of power over other men so they believe him if he tells them something, even though it's clearly a lie. Um, 
And so that's kind of neat, kind of paranoid. But then, yeah, it gets into this just, uh, just this long slog of, do you get it? You know, <laughs> do you get it yet? You're like the camp, the, the villain, as I said, he's going to kill the woman and he turns and he looks right at the screen. If he had done it for a split second as I first saw it, it would have been kind of interesting if that had just been that and never mentioned again. Uh, was it a mistake? Just, you know, but he looks at the camera and then he pushes it out of the way from his point of view and the victim or, you know, showing him and the victim to showing a bum in the alley who's just farting and and then the woman screams or whatever and it's i mean later in the movie they're watching uh uh she runs to her friend's house to hide and her friends are all watching texas chainsaw massacre they're like oh why it's gonna be great you know yeah i get it okay violent movies are violent you know what watching them does that make us complicit yes we've we've all thought of this i think at some point or another um quit winking at the camera <laughs> yeah um i agree yeah it's just not quite successful uh i watched something else i didn't put down on here but i'm going to i'm going to do it uh because i watched this right after uh that one this was called the feast from I think 2022 hmm. uh, or 2021, one of the uh, two. Um, this is one of those movies that on the opening scene, not even trying, not even thinking about, oh, I'm going to figure out what the twist is. <laughs> the opening shot. You go, yep, I know the entire movie. <laughs> I know exactly what's going to happen. And I did no, not know anything about this movie going in. I watched the trailer, and the trailer was very uh, vague. It didn't really give away anything. It just showed some weirdness. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so that opening scene, I was just like, oh. I know exactly where this is going. And yeah, I was right. (laughs) Although I I enjoyed it, and it is a slow burn. The whole first hour is just basically, uh, basically the plot is rich guy who is now a member of parliament. This is set in Wales. Um, uh, He's having friends over, and basically his wife is a little too rich and... And, uh, you know, big on herself that she can't actually cook a a dinner for the, you know, for a dinner party. So she has a girl come in to help her, even though it's not a huge dinner. I think they were planning on seven people. Mm -hmm. Uh, It turns out to be a pretty elaborate dinner. But anyway, they hire this girl who says she's from the local inn and, uh, you know. She just spends the first hour of the movie basically wandering around looking at people and looking at things and mm. not talking much. And you're like, so, obviously something's wrong with her. So like Barbara at the beginning of Night of Living Dead. <laughs> what's Kinda. happening? She doesn't say what's happening, but she just <laughs> walks around and she looks at these people. And the whole family's full of kind of despicable people, rich people and... uh I'll just go ahead and spoil it. Should I spoil I, it? I think I've got it. But go ahead. <laughs> the opening scene, I'll tell you. 
it opens on a, a big machine drilling oil mm. somewhere uh, or some sort of geological uh, exploration or, you know, uh, study or something. Like, yep, I know who she is. Immediately, you're destroying the environment. She'll be Mother Nature. There you go. Is that what you would have? No. Okay. I thought it'd be like eat the rich. It kind of is. It turns into that. She basically makes them crazy and makes them eat each other. Hmm. You know. Um, I don't really know why she killed the adult sons. They seem kind of. Well, one of them is definitely creepy, but the other one just seems like he had a drug problem and not really had anything to do with, you know, damaging the environment or being... Complicit. Complicit. It just seemed like, okay. Fed him magic mushrooms till he lost his mind. Uh, or found it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's a, a movie I watched. Um, I think, um, should I keep running through these and I'll, I'll, sure. I'll just name them now, but I'll discuss them next episode. Okay. So yeah, go ahead. And I'll run out of time. Um, I watched something called Death Hunt. Um, have you heard of the deadliest game or the most dangerous game? <laughs> yes, I guess. another version of that. Yeah, pretty much. Ice T did one of those, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. And uh, Mario well. Van Peoples did one too. Mm. I think he's uh, some sort of super soldier they accidentally yeah. catch and dump in the woods. There's so many of yeah, them. Yeah, it's one of the most remade stories there is. Yeah, this is basically that. They kidnap some people and put them out on an island and hunt them. But uh, the woman, it's a couple they kidnap. The woman... Uh, Basically gets a machine gun and just turns the tables on people. Strangely, I, I'm not going to rewatch it, but it would be interesting to rewatch because I think that character gets more attractive as the movie goes on. Like, she's not bad looking at the first, but she looks different at the end. She looks a little bit younger and, uh, and it's like, what message are they sending there? Like, the more people she kills, the better she looks. Hmm. Lady Bathory. Yeah, kind of. It's <laughs> weird. I That may be something I just, you know, well, I she, made up. She's running around. She's getting exercise. She's getting fit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I watched one, and I dare anyone to tell me what this movie is about. Footprints on the Moon. Oh, I've not seen that yet. It is on Tubi. There's some Shutter as well. Or maybe it's Shutter. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that good, huh? Uh, oh, it uh, is Italian. It, okay. Turned up to eleven. It. There's a woman who. Uh, what is her name? Alice. Yeah, I think it's Alice. Um, she's an interpreter from Portugal working in Italy and she turns up at work and they're like we fired you she's like what she's like they're like you didn't show up for the last three days nor did you call nobody could find you you know you're fired so she she's obviously upset about that doesn't know why they fired her because as far as she's concerned yesterday she was at work um she goes home somebody sent her a letter with a 
ripped up postcard in it of some uh, kind of villa somewhere, some sort of inn, and uh, and uh, turns out she's missing three days. She can't remember three days or what she did. So she goes to the little town in Greece, where or no, in Turkey, where this uh, uh, hotel, this inn is. And people in the town all seem to remember her, but remember her with a different name and long hair. And she was in town like three days ago. While this is happening, she's also having reoccurring dreams of a lone astronaut left on the moon, which is all in black and white. She thinks that she watched it on TV as a child, and it's just kind of stayed with her over the years. Um, That astronaut is somehow tied to Klaus Kinski, who's a mad <laughs> scientist, but only in the movie for about a minute. Um, hmm. Wow. <laughs> it is just, it will make your brain feel like All right. something's happened to it. You've suffered a concussion or <laughs> it's good. I was sort of fascinated. Of course, it drags a little here and there, but you try to put it together and there's it's like three or four jigsaw puzzles dumped into a pile, <laughs> and most of the pieces are missing anyway. And you're just like, what? How? Boy, oh boy. Yeah, check it out, everybody. Write in, tell me what you think. Yeah, we'll put it on your. We'll put it on our lists. Uh. Uh, barbarian, or Berberian, barbarian. Uh, Sound Studio, mm-hmm. after you mentioned it. Play on words, is that what's going on there? I don't know why they call it that. I don't remember, but it was a good movie. It's a oh, uh, good soundtrack. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. You don't know what's going on for long points of time, but you know it's sinister. And you kind of start picking up on things. And... Yeah, that's another one, like uh, horror movies are bad for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, you mentioned this, uh, that censor mm-hmm. we covered reminded you that. I yeah. can see that, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, horror movies are bad for you. Well, let's make a horror movie that tells you that. <laughs> um, the next one was described as a, a, a real um, throwback to 1970s exploitation films. Uh-oh. And when they say that, I expect, oh, yeah. this is going to be total crap. Uh, but they suggested it to me because I watched Run Sweetheart Run. This is called Run Bitch Run. Um, I can't recommend this movie in good conscience because it's despicable. But damn, if they did not nail the 70s feel of a gritty exploitation film. That, wow. That's got that queasy feel of like their... The movie itself is exploiting the actors, not just, you know, it just it's grimy all the way around, you know. Like they want to film titillating rape scenes and things like that, and you're like, mm, mm. Mm, yeah, a bad taste. But I, I will say, yeah, whoever made this movie was has watched a lot of grindhouse exploitation crap from the '70s, little low budget things. It's got weird characters characters have weird offhand lines 
uh, lots of sex and violence, nudity all the time. Every woman who appears in the movie has to be nude at some point. Um, plenty violent. It's uh, not a recommend. It's like Mother's Day. I can't recommend it to anyone. You're just on your own. I'm on my own that I enjoyed this movie. I might be sick in the head and I can't recommend it. But then you're also telling people, you're on your own. Yeah, you're on your own. If you watch this, this is all on you. I'm warning you. It's not a good movie. Well, that's good to know. It's pretty reprehensible. Uh, and I watched Renfield from oh, yeah. this year. Yeah, uh, that's the Nicolas Cage joint where he's basically um, Dracula. So what do you he think? He is Dracula. He's not yeah. basically Dracula. Well, yeah. He's completely Dracula. Um, Full count. I like this movie some. I really like Nicolas Cage as Dracula. Mm-hmm. Um, they should have had the whole movie. Should, they should have just made a new Dracula with him in it. Um, it was funny enough, but I felt that it was too superhero-y with all the fighting and jumping through the air and he gets power up from bugs. I, I mean, of... that's okay. That's all okay. But it just... It would have been more interesting to explore Renfield and Dracula's relationship than watch Nicholas Holt and Aquafina flip around in CGI for 35 minutes or so. Do you think everyone feels um, not just compelled but required to put a superhero element or several elements of superhero movies into their movies, no matter what the movies well, are? Well, this movie was written by Robert Kirkman. Oh, okay. Who you might know from uh, Land of the Lost. No. <laughs> the Walking Dead, among other <laughs> That's things. That's the thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's obviously going to have some sort of comic booky feel to it. Well, sure. But yeah, I just felt like it was... I didn't mind the gore. I thought the gore was great, you know. Um, it's just, you know, I don't need to see everybody flipping around and doing computer martial arts. I get it. Yeah. City of the Dead, City of the Living Dead. Yeah. Last Voyage of the Demeter. That wraps up my... Awesome. Jolien, you want to wanna take it away? All right. I uh, watched... Uh... Uh, the Bubble from 1966. Oh, no. This is something else. Okay. 1966 would be too early for the bubble I saw. So. Not not the boy which, in the which plastic one did bubble. You see? I saw something this summer called The Bubble. <clears throat> I believe it may have been a TV, made-for-TV movie. Um, basically, a couple and their pilot are forced to land. Mm-hmm. In a little town, That's and uh, I thought this was later in the seventies, though. So they they they're in this small plane. Yeah, she's pregnant. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's the same one. Yeah, that's it. Uh, this is uh, a film by Arch Obler, so he produced, wrote, directed it. Yes. Um, he um, Arch Obler was uh, he did a lot of radio shows, did Lights Out, and so. You know, in the forties and fifties. Oh, okay. Um, so you know, he, he's been doing these these kinds of stories for decades. Yeah. And then he did the first three D movie, which was Buana Devil. Oh, okay. In nineteen fifty two. 
and then this is his attempt to revive this 3D process. It's a new 3D process That's called Space right. Vision. That's right, 3D. It's like a single camera, single projector system, a special ground lens or something. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so there's, uh, there's this couple. The, the woman's heavily pregnant, and they've got the pilot with them in the small plane. They, there's a storm. They end up in this small town where everyone's like just going like in this time loop they just say one thing and they do one action over and over and over again every seven days the shadow passes over the town and someone gets sucked up into the air like in nope yeah uh, but very low budget mm-hmm. and the whole city is made up of backlot crap yeah, yeah it's all like uh it, it's obviously like some movie backlot thing and like every other building is some kind of circus or fairground attraction yeah um and uh, you got uh, Deborah Wally as the uh, the woman, and Michael Cole as the hubby. Um, there's a, like a because it's in 3D. You get reminded of that every five minutes. Yeah, like a a, a tray with beer bottles on it will float into your face. Or and you a, can see the strings on that so bad. Some, I don't know someone's how it... legs will be dangling in your eye, or some rubber masks will float around. Yes. Um, it's got some gen- genuinely weird moments in it, though. Certainly, I quite liked. It's a pretty dull movie. But yeah, it was dull. It was a it was a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, it's too long. But he, you know, as I say, he's been doing those kinds of stories for decades, long before Twilight Zone. Yeah. Um, speaking of radio dramas, uh, I've been while I've been working, I've been uh, listening to uh, The Witch's Tales. Hmm, where's this available? That's the first horror radio show. From when? 1930s. Wow. Uh, So it ran from 31 to 38. How cool. When real witches were still running around. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the episodes got destroyed by the the guy who put it together in the 60s. But yeah, there's quite a few of them still around in various degrees of uh, repair. Did he Mm -hmm. destroy them on purpose? Yeah. Okay. Um, just got yeah, tired of having that. Yeah, the creator was uh, <laughs> Alonzo Dean Cole. He also plays Satan the Cat on the show. So this is hosted by the old witch, who's uh, old Nancy okay. from Salem. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and she every every time she she comes on the show, she she like says it's her birthday, and she goes. Yeah, I'm 120 years old. Yes, sir, 120 years old. And it's like a different age every week. <laughs> okay. But not chronological either. No. Oh, okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, so she's got a cat with her. And, and, uh, and then she, she says, uh, you know, turn the lights down, gather around the fire, stare into the embers, and then she'll introduce the scene, the opening scene, and that's it. And she laughs a lot. She, you know, does the witch's cackling. So she's like this. It's uh, because she loves what she does. Yeah, um, she was um, uh, for the first five, four years or so. She was played by Adelaide Fitzalan, who then died in the mid '30s. So she was replaced by this 13-year-old named Miriam Wolf. Wow. <laughs> 13-year-old. Now I've seen movies where they use old women to voice children yeah not the other way around yeah so it went from the 79 year old playing a witch to this 13 year old who gives it her all that's awesome um 
happen. I wonder why. I, I mean, I wonder how that came about. That that you know, <laughs> how did they know? The did, was she tied to the show somehow? Related to someone? The producer's niece. She just just write in a lot. I think it was the producer's niece. That's my guess. Probably. So uh, yeah, it's very. I mean, you know, if you're into the history of horrors, you know, it's good to listen to this stuff because that's where EC got their idea from. Yeah. Like when Alfred Feldstein was putting. To, when they wanted to do a new directions in comics and they saw that so Kirby and Simon have done the romance comics so what, what what's left what can we do so they went with the uh, horror because um, uh, so Alfred Felstein said um, uh, we used to talk about the inner sanctum witch's tale arch Obler's lights out and these old radio shows when I was a kid I used to climb down the stairs and listen to these shows so I said what about horror there's been some stuff, but nothing really horrible, really scary. Let's do that. So AC did right. start doing horror comics. That's cool. There you go. But anyway, they're, they're fun to listen to. Yeah, I think uh, a few shows ago I, I might have mentioned, I think I mentioned it on mic, that um, I had discovered a uh, an archive of the CBS Radio Mystery Theater mm. episodes that were all there. They're all there. And yeah. We're, and that what really set the mood and made them spooky was the cello. Mm. As soon as that cello just kind of rolled in and made it sound and E.G. Marshall did his sinister sounding <laughs> intro, it was just like, oh, I'm terrified. Nothing's happened yet and I'm scared. You, you know? know, he was only 13 when he did those <laughs> yeah. intros. <laughs> Kids grew up fast, man. Yeah, they did. Yeah, but if you go on like uh, the Internet Archive, or there's tons on new YouTube as well. Excellent. You, you can just like, uh, you know, put on 12 hours of it. Yeah. Solid. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Chamber of Horrors, a.k.a. The Door with Seven Locks, 1941. Uh, British film based on an Edgar Wallace story. Remade as a crimmy in 1962. Uh, Lord Selford dies and is is entombed behind the door with seven locks, along with a family fortune in jewels. The seven keys are scattered to various persons and his doctor, who has a torture chamber collection in the basement and is played by Leslie Banks hmm. of The Most Dangerous Game. <laughs> right. Um, who might just be behind the ensuing murders. Might be. Yeah, it's not a big surprise. It, it does give it away halfway through soon. Um... Lily Palmer is delightful as the rightful heir, and the old dark house is packed with character actors and a monkey. And oh. a monkey. And okay. a monkey. Uh, the Crime of Dr. Crespi, 1935, directed by John Auerth. Uh Eric von Stroheim plays a surgeon. He gives his love rival a drug inducing catatonia so that he's buried alive. Dwight Fryer plays a doctor who goes up against him. Very nice. So Dwight Fryer playing a hero for once. Yeah. Uh, pretty long, sixty-three minutes. Sixty-three minutes. Pretty long. That was uh, an actual doctor, <laughs> Crespi. I seem to remember that story. Okay. I think he poisoned his wife and then escaped uh, across uh, the Atlantic to go to New oh, York. Oh, that was Crippen. Oh, it's Crippen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's in the Chamber of Horrors and Madame de Swords. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh, this one's loosely loosely based on premature burial by Edgar Allan Poe. A date with death. Did I mention this one before? I don't think so. Uh, sort of nineteen fifty nine, directed by Harold Daniels. Eighty three minutes. A minute too long. 
intriguing slash ridiculous dilemma where a hobo is mistakenly made police chief of a gangster infested small town i can see how that could happen <laughs> yeah, he gets off the train he's, he's just wandering down this back road he comes across this car which is like pulled over in some bushes there's a dead guy in there who looks kind of like him and who's got a wallet so he nicks the wallet and then he's immediately picked up by the local cops who like take him back into town he think oh i'm gonna be stuck in the tank again yeah turns out that the dead guy was the uh, the new police chief hmm. so they think it's him and so he plays along and then he gets involved with the, trying to clean up this town oh man so yeah there's, there's like several shoes are going to drop any moment and he's going to get killed or jailed for life yeah something bad's going to happen to him so it's quite a good situation um uh liz renee plays the mob boss's club singer uh this was a year or two after she'd done actual jail time for him, her involvement with Mickey Cohen. Oh. Uh, Gerald Moore plays the ex-paratrooper hobo eight years before he voiced Reed Richards on the Fantastic Four cartoon. <laughs> and the boss is played by Robert Clark the year after he was the hideous sun demon. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, the Black Raven from 1943, Sam Newfield, 63 minutes. That's a good time. Old Dark House Mystery, George Zucco plays a... Uh, he, he runs a hotel on the Canadian border through which pass various people fleeing the law. Glenn Strange plays his comical servant. No kidding. Yeah, Glenn Strange doing comedy for once. Wow. Not a cowboy or a Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, Charles Middleton is the local sheriff, um, determined to arrest the first person he guesses did the murders. He's billed as Char Charlie Middleton, which is no way to address Ming the Merciless, in my opinion. <laughs> That's no. right. Uh, the Sphinx from 1933, directed by Phil Rosen, 64 long minutes. Oh, long minutes. Remade Not in the short minutes. No, <laughs> these are long minutes. Remade in 1942 as The Phantom Killer, which I've not seen. Lionel Atwill seems to be strangling stockbrokers, but at each scene, the witness hears him asking for the time. So the case is always dismissed because Atwill is deaf and mute. Much of the film is taken up by an unlikable reporter trying to prove Atwell's guilty before he gets into the pants of the reporter's girlfriend. Ha. Huh. Uh, White Zombie of 1932. You've always seen this one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Victor Halperin. After re-watching Night of the Living Dead, I went with Zombies as this year's theme for October. This one's the first and a must for Lugosi fans. Halperin followed it up with Revolt of the Zombies in 1936 where soldiers are turned into zombies. Uh, Rob Zombie and Waxwork Records put the soundtrack out on vinyl this year. Really? How cool. Um, Another Living Dead 1989 version, or 1990. Tony Todd as Ben. Yeah, Tom Savini. Uh, still like the new Barbara, played by Patricia Tolman. Yeah. And Tony Todd is terrific as Ben. That's Absolutely. Probably my favorite role of his. Uh, some poor editing and storytelling let this one down a bit. Not Savini's fault. He says less than half of his vision made it to screen. Uh, but the soundtrack really sinks it for me. And the effects look really just truly gory. Like, yeah. the corpses look corpsey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, has some strong images, though. Great makeup effects, of course. Uh, the Zombies of Morotau, 1957. Don't know this one. Uh, directed by Edward L. Kahn of Invasion, Invasion of the Sorcerer This is 69 Minutes. Normal minutes? One more minute. These are normal minutes. Okay. Um, first aquatic zombie film. Oh. 
a treasure chest off the coast of Africa is guarded by zombie sailors. Uh, Alison Hayes, the 50-foot woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morris Angram, in everything in the 50s. <laughs> right. And crew turn up looking for it. Marjorie Eaton is great as the widow of one of the zombies. Her and Hayes keep it mildly entertaining for the duration, but it pays off with a lengthy zombie attack scene at the end. All right. Uh, Shockwaves from 1976. Ken Riederhorn, 86 minutes. I watched this. Zombie Nazis. Yeah. Yes. John Carradine was in the second Nazi zombie film, Revenge of the Zombies, 1943. Here he's the captain of an economy cruise yacht, which is wrecked off the coast of an island inhabited by Peter Cushing and his death corps of Nazi zombies. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Brooke Adams plays one of the passengers. Two years later, she was in Days of Heaven and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Poor editing and timidity about going for horror spoil it, but I like the concept a lot. The cast is mostly good and there are terrific images. Big inspiration on Robert R. McCammon's novel, The Night Boat, I I suspect. Um, Ripe for a remake. Yeah. Um, That's that's funny. I, I watched that too. I didn't put it down, but... Yeah, Nazi zombies. I was. Yeah. Oh, I'll sign up. For yeah, I've that. watched this like three or four times now. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Plague of the Zombies, 1966. John Gilling, first zombie movie linking them to a virus, even though it turns out to be voodoo. Hammer's only zombie movie. I wonder what they would have done a few years later. Uh, Sugar Hill, 1974. Paul Maslansky. Um, Emily liked the brave woman in Plague, but she needed rescuing again, so we flipped that. And the use of voodoo by white people. And watch this one. Uh, you root for Sugar and the gang. But the film points out the zombies are still her slaves. There's a lot of emphasis on them having chains. and Yeah. The sound of chains when they're on their way. Um, like Shockwaves, it feels coy about the potential horror. Almost PG, except for the epithets. If you know what I mean. I think you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love Don Pedro Collier's Baron Samadhi. Yeah. Uh, World War Z, or Z, as it was known in the US. Yeah. Uh, from two th- 2013, uh, directed by Mark Forster. I thought it was okay on release, but watching it again post pandemic, this plays a lot stronger, especially in the initial outbreak sequences. They're pretty yeah. close to the bone. Uh, I Walk with it's a Zombie. It's just uh, Brad Pitt trying to buy a cartload of toilet paper <laughs> for the first half. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Uh, I Walk with a Zombie, 1943, Jacques Lanier. I love this one. This is top five zombie movie for me. Uh, Love this one. Poetic, atmospheric, beautiful scenes without dialogue. Just wind in the sugar cane fields. Uh, Speaking of beautiful, it certainly takes that word and makes it something suggesting corruption and decay. People are always saying beautiful, and then it just gets uglier and uglier as it goes on. Uh, Darby Jones, Francis D., Tom Conway, Sir Lancelot. Love that one. And... uh, the Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, 1974. Roger Grau. A lot of affection for this one, too. Takes time to get to the zombie action, but enjoy the scenery and the spooky soundtrack. And it certainly pays off with the gore. Uh, zombie film debut of Giannetto De Rossi. Huh. Who is? Five years before he was makeup effects on Zombie. Oh, okay. And then uh, Shaun of the Dead, 2004, Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. I don't know that one. It's a bit bitey bit bitey <laughs> so that was it all right ran it under a cold tap <laughs> uh for me um i sort of got off uh, onto this thing about um uh 
50s, early 60s uh, sci-fi movies that have that certain charm, that certain uh, paranoia to them. It, 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 it's something you know it when you're watching it. And you can start a movie and you're wrong and it's not quite that. Um, you, you, you can know by 20 minutes in if it's that or not. But uh, Teenagers from Outer Space. It's a little lighter, but it's one of those, right? This movie has one of the highest kill counts <laughs> They just kill whatever. That guy just zaps people left and right. I have tried to count how many deaths there on this. I always end up forgetting, or you know. And they use the same skeleton each time. They use a skeleton every time. But yeah, he. I'm just surprised when I watch this again uh, how many people he kills. And I found out, you know, uh, reading a page on this that it's, you know, it's an independent film that seemed pretty obvious watching it, but uh, that it's in public domain. Mm-hmm. And uh, something I recognize immediately watching it was the music, because I'm, I'm just you know cruising along with this thing, uh, and and there's just these these, oh what's the these arrogant uh, Martians? I, I think they're supposed to you know literally be from Mars, but aliens anyway. These guys are wearing like the jumpsuits with the big V shape on the front, mm. and. Uh, they're just dicks. It's so funny. It's like, uh, well, I'm just going to walk away now. You'll walk nowhere. Like everything someone says, they bark an order at them. And uh, this is about uh, a young guy who is one of the Martians who escapes from the Martians because they're going to put him to death. Derek? Derek, yes. See, you, you've, you've watched this more than once, haven't oh, you? Oh, I've watched this movie several times. And I'm watching it and I hear the... The Night of the Living Dead yes. score. And I'm like, oh shit, this is one of those movies where this was, you know, library music. And um, sure enough, it's uh, the William Luce and Fred Steiner uh, score. And and uh, there's like three or four, I want to say, different uh, pieces that are used in this that were later used by Romero and company to make uh, Night of the Living Dead sound as sinister and eerie as it was. Mm-hmm. It's weird because it belongs to the later movie now, (laughs) you know, even though it was used before this one, uh, like it had been used before and this is a 1959 film, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, hilarious, but paranoid and scary at the same time. You can't help but laugh at some of the stuff going on in this movie. I love that the woman, the, the young woman named Betty has a Betty Page bangs. <laughs> it makes it just kind of fun because little did they realize probably while this was going on or, you know. Someone, yeah, actually, it was a pretty popular haircut at the time. It, it was, yeah. But if someone wanted to specifically name her Betty because they knew of. That was a really popular name back oh, then, Oh, damn too. it. There goes my. P- <laughs> She's cute in a weird way. Right. Yeah, she yeah, is. Right. It, it's there's something just a little off about it yeah yeah but you know bunch of character actors and um and of course uh you know i i can't tell you to save my life i, I know the guy who plays grandpas in some ed wood movies oh that makes sense yeah yeah he's in uh harvey b dunn yeah yeah he was Bride uh, of the Monster, maybe? Bride, Bride of the Monster and Night of the Ghouls. And The Sinister Urge. I just clicked on it. Oh, that's Holy right. crap. He's in a bunch of movies. Oh, this makes sense. He's missing the tip of his finger. His, I 
think his index finger. Huh. On one hand. Probably lost that making an Ed Wood movie. Zombie bit it. (laughs) One of those big superimposed lobsters at the end of the movie. Spoilers. Got his finger. Gargan Terra. Gargan Terra. The Gargans. I love the Gargans. And and is this Brownson Canyon? Probably. Uh Yeah, Yeah, it's got to be, right? It's Brownson Canyon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that one was a lot of fun. I rewatched The Wolfman. Nothing new to report. 1941. Um, not a new ending? Uh, uh, nope. And not a new beginning either because it's still um, Lawrence Talbot perving on the woman through the uh, telescope. And that's kind of the first five minutes of the movie. How about the martial arts fight that goes on for 25 <laughs> minutes at the end before the mad scientist shoots the blue laser into the sky and destroys the universe? Yeah. Listeners, you should check it out. You probably forgot that part. Um, let's see. What else we got? Uh, uh, All Hallows Eve Part 2. Well, it's just called All Hallows Eve 2. This is a bunch Would of... that be All Saints Day? Mm, you'd think so, but they just call it All Hallows Eve. Now, they introduced Art the Clown in the first one, and oh, okay. I, I think a lot of people were probably bummed that he didn't show up in this one, but... He got his own movie and then his own sequel, so, you know, that's fine if you're into that sort of thing. Um, this is uh, just a bunch of short, I mean, really short little vignettes of, you know, uh, Halloween spookiness. And some of them are kind of cool and some of them aren't. So um, I would say uh, 26, 2015 is not so dated you know, it's recent enough to where it's going to feel new. Um, you've got a killer in a jack-o'-lantern mask. You've got, uh, oh, trick-or-treaters that are, I don't know, killing people. Um, uh, let's see. There's some weird thing called the offering. Um, the offering is one where this couple of guys, I guess it's a father and son, they, they drive their pickup out to leave an offering for some sort of a demon or an evil, I don't know, evil force. And they forget to bring the meat. They have like something else that they cut up like a, a fruit or vegetable, but then they were in such a hurry. They forgot to bring the meat. So one of them ends up like out there trying to talk to it. And obviously he gets taken away. I guess that's a spoiler, but uh, it's kind of a dumb story. Yeah, how would you forget the meat? You think that'd be the most important thing? That would be the first thing on the list. If you know, uh, if you know that this evil spirit we're going thing, out there to feed it meat. How do you forget that? Yeah, you know. yeah. So I went uh, for a picnic and I left the basket on the kitchen. Nobody right. checked. Yeah. So the um, let's see, we'll we'll let let Hot Rod Herman get out of here. God, fix your muffler. Um, there's one called the masochist and it's a, a carnival sideshow where, uh, people get to throw sharp things at someone on a spinning wheel. And supposedly the person on the spinning wheel wants to get hit with the sharp things. And of course there's a little twist to that story. That's probably enough about that one. Um, let's see. I watched a couple more I'll talk about next time, but let's talk about Jolien's pick or picks. Do we want to talk about both of them? Do we want to gloss over? Just, just, just do one. Let's just blend them together. Yeah, let's <laughs> pretend that they're... So we did We did have the choice of City of the Dead from 1960 mm-hmm. uh-huh. or City of the Living Dead, which is a Fulci film 
from 1980. So 20 years makes all the difference. You just call it a Fulci. Yeah. You don't have to put film in there. It's just... It's a Fulci. It's a Fulci. Now, this is a Fulci. It just implies that it's a confusing nightmare as well as a piece of cinema. Uh Uh-huh. And there's probably going to be some sort of trauma. Or some other weird stuff that happens via special effects. Jolien, you picked this. You want to tell us about it? Uh, Yeah, it's one of my... Well, top uh, 40 films is either this or the beyond. Yeah. It's just like, uh, okay, so the premise is the gates of hell open up, bad things happen. Yeah. Uh, don't need to stick to anything coherent or. Nope. You know, because that, that explains it all. It's like reality is being turned on its head. Yeah, because the gates of hell are open. Yeah. So that's not uh, the beyond? It is. It's oh, okay. But that, that's how you know. That's what I'm saying. It's like the premises, hell opens up, <laughs> reality gets turned on its head. We don't have to do anything that makes sense. Yeah. It's just going to be incredibly gruesome things. Yeah, people who you think might be the hero end up getting their brains pulled out of the back of their head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, we we could just talk about that right away. The the, the brains getting squished out of the back of the hairdo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's some serious grip. Yeah, somebody, you know, showed him that, and he was just like, oh, that's the next effect in the movie. He just used it for everything. <laughs> yeah, this old, good old Giannetta de Rossi in action again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I watched this as a double bill with City of the Dead. Um, I noticed that they were both set in New England, but neither of them is filmed there. Yes. Uh, Evil is defeated by a large cross from a graveyard. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, cowled antagonist burst into flame yeah yeah i wonder if this was like Fulci's remake <laughs> city of the dead city of the dead yeah he wanted to do something lovecrafty yeah i figured that with dunwich yeah and then i couldn't figure out where the hell dunwich was <laughs> what dunwich are they talking about yeah, it's is that there one more up in than one? New England with all the Spanish moss hanging from the trees. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I had to look this up because I was pretty sure it was going to be Louisiana, but it was Savannah, Sa- Savannah Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Film there, you mean? Yeah. 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 But uh, in between all the. You, you, you remember the gory stuff, but in between all that, there's some really beautiful imagery, like uh-huh. surreal imagery, like uh, you know, the blood dripping into the glass of milk. and. Oh, yeah. And the skeletons hanging from the from below the graveyard. That was bizarre. I couldn't figure out what were they digging out. Were they? Well, I think they were just like old corpses that just fallen through the bomb into the tunnels below the graveyard. Okay. But yeah, it just looked great. Yeah, I think it was the production design was by someone who worked on Fellini films. Oh, okay. I forget the name, but yeah, um, you know, really striking stuff. And, as well as all the mayhem. I do like that it's not a cautionary tale against uh, divination or seances or any of that kind of stuff. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, this kind of open, you know, helped open the rift between this world and hell. Yeah, it's just like you've got this priest who hangs himself in a graveyard. Yeah. And uh, that seems to open up the gates of hell. Yeah. Yeah, they're not really saying like, oh, don't do seances, don't play with Ouija mm-hmm. boards or whatever. They're not saying that necessarily with this movie. They're just don't saying... Don't let your local priest hang himself <laughs> in the graveyard. Yeah, this is this is just going to happen whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's just very nihilistic. <laughs> like you're all screwed. Yeah. yeah. Nothing you can do. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no... Um, 
MacGuffin. There's no magical mechanism. There's no deus ex machina that's yeah, going to fix it. you might manage to burn a bunch of creatures. But you're still fucked. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's There's kind no of... escape. Yeah. Which is faulty in a, in a, really, in a nutshell, that he he's just kind of like, you You know, you're going on this ride, yeah. and, and you're probably not going to like it, so get in. <laughs> get in, yeah. <laughs> that, that's sort of his technique, it seems. Um, when did you first discover this one? I don't know. I was, I guess, um, back in the days of video when you were trying to watch all the stuff that had been banned. This one was, I don't think it was actually banned, but all the gory stuff got cut. Oh, of course. Uh, you, all the none fun. None of the drill scene or the... Oh, oh that was totally Chekhov's um, lathe drill. <laughs> like, as soon as they, they walked through that room, I went, oh, that's going through someone's eye. Yeah. That's such a good effect, though. Yeah, it so actually well goes done. through his temple, but yeah, that looked good. Mm-hmm. That holds up really well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, squishing the brain through the hairdo, not as much, no. but that, but this part with the lathe drill. It, I thought it was going in his eye too. Yeah, you you saw it on screen, in, in like half a second later, you you know it's going You're in. Like, yeah, that's going into someone's eye. <laughs> I'll take it through the head. Yeah, yeah. Temple was a second choice. He's like, no, I don't want to be too obvious here. Um, so so this was on the video nasties hunt. Um, for you, was this a, was this an actual nasty? I mean, it might have been, uh, but yeah, I don't remember if it was, but it was it was definitely heavily heavily cut in the UK. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Motion Picture Association, you, you know, cut forced cuts so heavily on so many films here that um, it actually later it seemed became a real selling point to say it's the non-rated version. Right. right. Uh, that comes out on video and uh, God, who was it? I'm trying to remember who it was when they were putting the uh, parental advisory stickers on albums. I forget who it was that said, yeah, it just seems to sell more. Put two stickers on my album. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We had the music and you guys had video. Right. Yeah. Like motion picture association, let a lot of stuff go, but, uh, yeah, Tipper Gore and her her lot, they were really trying to get the uh, get the heavy metal and the rap music under control, which there's a life lesson there. You don't get rap music or heavy metal under control. <laughs> it's it you under control. Yeah, I, I like the soundtrack on this is uh, Fabio Fritzi. Yeah, Fritzi does just magnificent work. Kind of a synth pop sinister and lighthearted like back and forth yeah sometimes both at the same time right yeah there's no one who quite does what he does mm-hmm. um speaking of this sort of thing you know goblin's going to be here again yeah doing demons yeah that's going to be like not demons doing goblin <laughs> well you know you know what can happen in a theater showing demons yeah that's true not good um so, Will, how about you? When did you first discover this one? Um, actually, I had not seen this one before. Oh. Oh. Um, uh, I had seen uh, City of the Dead before, but not City of the Living Dead. Mm. But I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was good. It was, uh, 
Yeah, I, I had thought I had seen this, but <clears throat> other than a couple scenes that were vaguely familiar, I must have not seen it. How about the scene where she's uh, buried alive? Oh, that's pretty bad. Oh, yeah. And then he goes and he tries she's to open the coffin. With the pickaxe. With the pickaxe. What and the hell was he thinking? <laughs> when he struck at one point, I thought it was like the middle of the coffin and they were going to pull the axe out and have her guts on it or something terrible. Mm-hmm. But no, she gets out. She's He keeps just missing okay. her. Had she been embalmed? Clearly not. I mean, was she just buried alive by someone who thought she was dead and was too lazy to embalm her? She could have been dead. Yeah, maybe she was reanimated because of the Gates of Hell thing. But even there in that that ridiculous scene, it's kind of scary. Yeah. And and also it's beautiful. There's like she's holding this orchid or something and this like wind blows in this orchid inside her coffin. It's just beautiful shot. Yeah. Her weird styrofoam coffin. Well, well, actually, that's what they're made of. I'm not sure about the union rules of New York grave diggers. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Let's just go, all right, five o'clock, we're off. (laughs) We're done. Yeah, we're just going to leave this right here. That's enough dirt. (laughs) Yeah, she's technically buried. Let's get out of here. she in the hole? Yeah. I did like like the uh, hanging out above the coffin eating sandwiches. Yeah. The lunch break. Yeah, that's that's got to have happened a dozen times in horror movies where it's either the coroner or a grave digger or somebody having a snack, mm-hmm. having their lunch break. Set the sandwich. Breaking off pieces of the corpse. <laughs> right. Um, they Shakes- won't see Shakespearean moment. Yeah. <laughs> so Zombie 2 made over 1.5 billion lira. Which I think is about what seven hundred bucks. Okay, <laughs> and uh, Fulci got the deal to work on this one with uh, Dardano Sacchetti. Um, loosely based on Lovecraft. Yeah, well, inspired by Lovecraft. Inspired by that's probably a better way. It's nothing to do with the Dunwich Horror. No, no. If you've ever read Dunwich Horror, this yeah, this doesn't resemble it. Um, yeah. Uh, what what I read was that uh, in Sachetti's original writings, the story was not set in Dunwich, but in Salem. Mm-hmm. Still would have been Spanish moss. Still would have been a dead giveaway. <laughs> well, they say at some point Dunwich was built atop Salem. Oh. So. They, they figured people in Italy won't know this. Yeah. So it's okay. Yeah. That's why I was like, where is this set? <laughs> I don't know where these places are. It's kind of like how Haddonfield has... Tropical trees. Yes. There's all kinds of bougainvilleas and, you know, palms and stuff in the background. I mean, it's not terribly obvious in Halloween, but it's kind of hard to miss in this one. Because I was thinking, oh, this has got to be, you know, outside of uh, New Orleans or something. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there were some above ground graves, too. Mm-hmm. Which uh, probably does happen in Savannah. Yeah, they do. They have. Well, Savannah, I don't know, but New Orleans, they do. They have to because of the water table. Yeah. So weird. You know about that, Julian? 
yeah, you can't dig a grave, a proper grave in New Orleans because the water table is, okay. I mean, the, it's below sea level. It's below sea level, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so if you start digging, it's the hole's going to fill up with water. So it's a pretty bad scene for a grave right away. So mm. they just have these, you know, concrete or marble boxes above the ground. But it does prevent accidental burials because they drown. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it, it causes accidental drownings instead. Yeah, you yeah. know. But nobody's screaming and scratching at their coffin They're just lid. making blub-blub noises. <laughs> and you can't hear those. <laughs> right. <laughs> kind of gasping and <laughs> bubbles. Yeah. Um, uh, do you know anything about a manga adaptation of uh, uh, Lady Oscar? That... Um, there's uh, okay, so th- let me let me backtrack a little bit. Um, da, 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 I might just cut that. It's kind of convoluted. One of the actors had worked on a on an anime, and uh, Fulci wanted to cast her in The Beyond and House by the Cemetery. Um, but she felt the script was badly written. I could probably leave that out. No, <laughs> you sure? Was the script written at all? You know, <laughs> it was written. It just wasn't written very long I before think, the sh- uh, before the it, shooting. What's his name McCall. Uh, let's the, see. Um, McCall, yeah. Um, she read the script and thought it didn't make any sense, so she was reluctant to do it. And her agent said, "Oh, no one's going to see this." So go ahead and get a paycheck. Is that yeah. what it was? Yeah, it was um, Catriona McCall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's an English actress, but with that first name, I wonder if she's of Italian descent as well. Just grew up in England. Yeah. With <laughs> kind of kind of weird first and last name. It's like Stephen Van Zant. It's like well, that 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 dude is clearly not Dutch. <laughs> you know, in The Sopranos. Oh uh-huh, yeah, yeah. I know who Stephen Van Zant. Okay. I mean, I don't expect that you're a big Springsteen fan. No, but I know who he is. Yeah. I mean, I think most people should. Anywho, so she was she was told, don't worry about it. It's going to, no one's going to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're still watching it and talking about it. Yep. Hope she got paid well enough. Oh, God. some of the things those actors have to do. I mean, she didn't get the worst of it, but. Yeah. She wasn't I the mean, one that, that one guy got a drill through the head. Yeah. He didn't know what he had signed up for. <laughs> yeah, which which one had to puke the guts out? It was obviously a fake head, but... Yeah, forget her name. The guy who's next to her in the car is uh, Michele Suave. Yeah. Uh-huh. He went on to become a director himself. Okay. Yeah, he worked with Argento, too. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he's in Demons. Yeah. Um... As an actor. But, he, yeah, he, he directed The Church and... Oh, okay. Yeah, was it, um, oh, God, I can't even pronounce that. Janet Agrin? Agrin? Sandra, anyway, is the character. Anyway, the woman who... Wait, these characters had names? They didn't need them. I I could not name one. (laughs) They they had names in the credits. I couldn't keep any of the women straight, pretty much. But the head was realistic enough, except for the teeth. Yes. They look like wood. Like right. George Washington's wooden teeth. Yeah. So that. But up to a point, she's actually having to. She really was fitting that stuff out. 
in her mouth until they switch to the yeah. fake head. Right. Yeah. How Ew. about the how about the maggots? Yeah. You, what were they blowing in on them? Uh, puffed rice. That's what I figured it was. That's my guess. Um, then they're eating, and then mixed in with all that stuff is like actual maggots. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, it was just really horrible day oh. of shooting. So apparently that someone got their own back by putting some maggots in full cheese tobacco pouch. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. How interesting. I just, uh, I just scrolled down this page. It said that... Um, Let's see. The special effects scenes included a scene where the cast is attacked by maggots via two wind machines and 10 kilograms of maggots. To surprise Fulci, one crew member took some of the maggots and placed them in his pipe tobacco, which Fulci only learned about after he took a few puffs, Hmm. which really made him angry. And he would later blame this for his illness for which he needed heart surgery. Oh, come on. A ventricular aneurysm. A vent dummy got him, made mm. his heart stop. Yeah. They are pretty scary. I'm not buying it. But I think with the wind, I don't know. Like yeah, It's okay to shower your cast with wind-blown maggots, but... Yeah, don't put them in his pouch of yeah, tobacco. Yeah, but I guess my question is, like, were those all maggots, or were they like puffed rice, like we're guessing? Yeah, there's a lot of rice and... It looks like polystyrene bits mixed in there. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't tell for sure, but... Enough of them were wriggling, though, that you're just like, okay, there's there's some maggots in there. It's yeah, a, there's some whole telephone <clears throat> covered in maggots. Yeah, and then they put some sort of glue on their faces right, right. to have them writhe around in their... F- oh, man. <laughs> no, fantastic. thanks. But, you know, that's an Italian movie for you, I Yeah, guess. they're like, mm, we could fake it, but it'd probably be cheaper if we just got real maggots <laughs> i would imagine there's that woman who gets the face full of it in the earlier on isn't there oh god yeah with all that filth in her, that guy's hand or somebody's hand pushed into her face yeah i think if, uh, if you start to protest too much i think fulci could be like hey did i ask you to wrestle dress up like a zombie and wrestle a shark no i did not so put the maggots on your face and shut up <laughs> Yeah. It's like, okay, sir, why don't you go have a smoke? Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, I don't remember who it was, but somebody uh, in some movie where they were attacked by birds, they just like <laughs> threw chickens at the poor actress for like the whole day or something. It was a long time. She said all the chickens looked miserable and she was miserable. And she got like actual cuts on her face. And they were like, oh, that's great. <laughs> um, I don't know what the critics thought, but uh, this made a little money to start with. Uh, something that's worth mentioning is that the um, the box office was 985 million lira, which at the time was about 547 dollars. <laughs> thousand u.s dollars so it made almost half a million dollars if you're measuring no over half a million dollars if you're measuring in dollars um now he had done better than this with zombie 2 as it were as it were known but this wasn't far behind so as a measure of success i mean it was still still did well enough no eye trauma that was it 
if he had added eye trauma, this probably would have done better. Yeah. But, um, yeah, um, let's see. Uh, film was released in the UK in May of 82, where it was passed by the BBFC after the drilling scene was cut. No surprise there. In 2001, uh, the BBFC passed the film uncut with an 18 certificate, meaning you had to be 18 or older to go see it. And um, in the United States, it was released in uh, April of 1983, and um, it was promoted as Twilight of the Dead, which resulted in a cease and desist uh, from the United Film Distribution Company due to the title similarity to George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, which, of course, was, you know, probably not his doing. I don't think he would be that worried about it. But uh, that's just me guessing. So they. Re- I don't know. Maybe after he lost Night of the Living Dead, he was a little more yeah, maybe, careful yeah. with those copyright. Maybe that's One true. One of the uh, possible titles for a, the next zombie film is going to be Twilight of the Dead, wasn't it? I don't know. That's a oh. good. That's a good title, though. They were sparkly zombies, though. <laughs> um, a teenage girl falls in love with one of them. Of course, the the re-release title was The Gates of Hell, which is what I first saw it under, was mm-hmm. that title. Yeah. So I think I, I think I first saw this by Jolien's recommend, recommendation since we started the podcast eight years ago. I don't know where. 27 years ago. <laughs> 52 years eight ago. Eight long years ago. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I I was surprised by it when I saw it. Yeah, I'm still surprised every time I watch a Fulci movie I haven't seen. How about the ending? Oh, <laughs> the main. Yeah, you want to describe it for listeners who are just so for... the surviving two, although Mary's already died once, mm-hmm. emerge from the crypt, mm-hmm. and it's daylight of All Saints Day. Yeah, and there's the police in the background, and there's this little boy named John John who's not half as annoying as Bob in House by the Cemetery. Anyway, he's running towards them and everything's happy at first. And then they look at him and they start like yelling and screaming. And then it cuts back to a view of John John running towards them. And then it freezes and there's like this animated black cracking goes across the screen. Yes. The end. Which tells you what? <laughs> well, we had reached the end. Mm-hmm. They didn't have an ending and I'm not clear on what actually happened. But... Um, the story goes that um, they shot an ending and someone spilled coffee on it. <laughs> and so he needed more money to do the ending again. Um, but they wouldn't give him enough Anything. money. So they just like, all right, we'll just end it here. Um, they could have just had a car squealing and a scream. <laughs> if you can get hold of the Danish video release, there's a bit that's that comes after that where uh, it's like a pan across the graveyard mm-hmm. and then you get a voiceover repeat of the, you know, the saying on the gravestone from the start about... Okay, yeah. You know, come to Dunwich. Um, but, Stay um, for the fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Dunwich fish witch. Fish witch. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically it, it, they, they just like, they, oh, we've got to in this some way so let's just, just have just the screen split so yeah you can come up with your own theories you know like 
This is the point where they realize that reality's broken and did anyone ever say what and... was filmed that the coffee was spilled on? No. Maybe it was a lie. I do not know. Because they're screaming like, oh, something's going to get him. Yeah. And it's like the black fracture monster got him. Yeah. This is kind of like Footprints on the Moon. The <laughs> ending is just like, what? Has okay. she realized that she's still dead and they're still in hell? Hmm. Because they were too late. And according to their own time frame, mm-hmm. they should have stopped this by midnight of that night. But now it's morning. Yeah. So let's rewind a little before that. Uh, when we talk about the ending of this movie, a bunch of the zombies are attacking our heroes uh, in the underground of the crypt. And as they're fighting them, um, you notice that, was it the priest that the guy runs a stick or a mm. pike yeah, or something? Yeah, across in his groin. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it bursts in the flames. Which is Fulci logic all the way. Fulci logic. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, obviously if these undead supernatural creatures get poked with something, the the, the wound will just burst into flames. I think it had to be a cross. Uh, well, they just started spontaneously combusting after that, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Well, if you kill the lead zombie. Oh, the rest of them. Or something. Yeah. It's like whatever. Some... You make up whatever rules you want. They're not real. <laughs> Some of the old Dracula movies, you know, if you kill the head vampire, then yeah, everyone you kill else disintegrates. All. Or yeah. they turn back to mortals. Perfectly normal mortal people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so once you, once you are familiar with Fulci and you're watching this one, you're not surprised by the fact that, you know, uh, zombies can teleport. They mm-hmm. sometimes burst into flames for no apparent reason. Uh, <laughs> they can like, dig their fingers into your skull with no problem. Just pop the back of your head like a grape yeah brains yeah. gush out there's so much going on in this movie that just doesn't have to make sense mm-hmm. and that's i think what's kind of fun about fulci is you don't need to burden yourself with with like making sense of things no. <laughs> that's that's why i like italian horror movies they almost never make any sense yeah they're not, always yeah not just very <laughs> very nightmarish because they're just weird scenes and yeah, yeah to be fair gore and it's italian movies in general yeah you know things just happen it often feels like you're missing scenes it's, it's, it was childish in a way it's like a, a child wrote this yeah without being fettered by any logic or and then like, and, then, and then, then something really gross happens and then and they got worms in their face right. and, and then, then there's a guy and he gets to drill through his head <laughs> It's kind of like that. This is gold. Slow down. (laughs) (laughs) But the kid running toward danger and they're screaming as if to stop him. And then then the black cracks got him. And then the end. Okay. (laughs) Yep. Makes sense. So there was uh, other countries that had problems with this. We we, we don't need to go into that. I think Germany was one of them. But um, this has enjoyed some success at the box office. You know, it didn't lose money. But then it seems like kind of cult. Yeah. You know, not on a, not on the same shelf as like Rocky Horror Picture Show or Night of the Living Dead or anything like that. But this has enjoyed some cult success. Yeah. Um, so. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, did you, did you want to talk any more, Jolien, about special effects or production? Uh, it's, yeah. So it's 
a classic team he had together at this you know it's this like period right of several mm-hmm. years like zombie 2 through this trilogy of the gates of hell mm-hmm. it's like a beyond house by the cemetery you have this team together yeah and they, yeah i don't know i've watched earlier have you watched any other 40 films like uh, before or after um i can't remember i i know the first one i watched was zombie 2 mm. Uh, I may have seen the Beyond. Yeah, I've seen the Beyond. Yeah, that came out right after this. Yeah. yeah. So I've seen some of his earlier westerns and comedies. Okay. Yeah, I've not seen any of those. Um, and I've seen some of his later stuff, which just really goes downhill. Hmm. But the, yeah, this period, these, these few years around 1980, he was just gold. Gold, just on fire. <laughs> Could do no wrong. So as far as <laughs> as far as uh, recommends, Jolian, obviously, yeah, yeah, and Will, you said yeah, yes, you I recommend. recommend I do too. I think it's uh, it's kind of required viewing for any horror fan who um, maybe Italian horror is their blind spot and they need to watch some stuff. You know, there's some obvious Argentos and some obvious Fulcis you should watch. <laughs> for you know from. From the 70s and 80s, there, there, there's an era here where you need to see, I don't know, four or five things, five or six things to kind of start to round out a picture of what it's like, what it means, what sense it doesn't make. <laughs> so I so I recommend it too. Yes. Um, anything else before? Watch Lisa and the Devil. There's one. <laughs> doesn't yeah. make much oh. sense. It's so, so good, good though. Yeah. yeah. Any Argento, any Volci you want to oh. watch? Bava, yeah, if you want to go early, you know, Bava did some stuff in the 60s that you should watch. So there we have it. Anything else before we call it a show? I don't know. Hmm. I think we got it. Well, we got that Halloween vibe going. Listeners, thank you for listening. Stay out of Dunwich. (laughs) 